Welcome back to the Harris Happening here on the Mighty 790 KFGO and KFGO.com. I've got a great, great book that has just come out. It's called The Night of the Assassins, The Untold Story of Hitler's Plot to Kill FDR, Churchill, and Stalin. And the New York Times bestselling author who put this uh, wonderful piece together, Howard Bloom, is our special guest here on the Mighty 790 KFGO and KFGO.com. I tell you what, the... Uh, the list of books that Mr. Bloom has put uh, out is, is, is longer than your arm. Let's put it that way. And they're all great, great uh, nonfiction uh, books. And, Mr. Bloom, thank you so much for joining us here on KFGO. My pleasure to speak with you. So let me, I have to ask you, first of all, when I, when I read this and I saw the photographs in this, I mean, there's a lot of information that uh, people don't realize about what happened during World War II. Where do you dig up the information? Where do you, where, where do you go to uh, research your books? Well, there are government archives. Uh, but my starting point that got me all interested in this whole story was a press conference that Franklin Delano Roosevelt gave. And he came back from the Tehran conference uh, where he met with uh, Churchill and Stalin, and he talked to the assembled press. The conference had been top secret, and he's in the Oval Office of the White House, and he said there was a security problem there. Uh, I had to move from the American embassy to the Soviet embassy to stay there because there were some German commandos on the loose, Nazi commandos. And then he starts laughing, gives this hearty laugh. You can hear it on the tape. It would have been a pretty good haul, he said, if they had gotten all three of us. And the press joins in and laughs. And that's it. They then go on talking about China. And for 60 years, that was buried. So then, this intrigued me. And I came across a press conference that was given in Moscow, uh, where they revealed previously classified documents about what happened at Tehran. I had those translated. I used those as my starting point to then go approach British, American, and German archives, and then through memoirs, slowly but and slowly I put the pieces together. The memoirs are important because you have what people are actually saying and thinking, and that allows me to, to recreate the scenes with a historian and a journalist accuracy, but also to make it a character-driven story. I, I've talked to other historians. I'll, I'll put this book in the historian category. But I've talked to other historians who have d- tried to do research from countries outside of the U.S. And sometimes they don't get cooperation. Did you find a fully them fully cooperative? Well, the Russians were very eager to tell this story. They were the heroes of this, along with FDR's Secret Service head Mike Riley, uh, a guy from uh, college football star from Montana. Uh, So they wanted this story out. They made some of their uh, agents available. And the archives are totally accessible in in Germany and in the U.S. and also in Great Britain. So that was helpful there. Uh, But I had to know where I was going because FDR created this big mystery. He alluded to it and then allowed it to be covered up for 60 years. At the same time, while I'm saying there was accessibility, in espionage stories, you never really know the whole truth. There's always one more file that's hidden. But until the final files are brought forth on Operation Long Jump, as this mission was called, uh, I'd like to think that my book is the most uh, exhaustive study. 
Well, I have to be honest, I have not finished the whole thing, and I cannot wait to finish it. Uh, let's start out, though, in 1943. I never realized, because I, I guess I've seen Leslie Howard in a couple of movies, you know, my, from the back of the early days. But was he truly, did you, do you think he was a Winston Churchill lookalike, and that's uh, why his plane was shot down? He, he, his, in 1943, he was leaving from the airport outside Lisbon. Uh, he wasn't the lookalike. The Germans got a report that Churchill was going to leave North Africa through the Lisbon airport and take a commercial plane. He had done that uh, from Bermuda. When, they, when their agents at the airport saw two men getting on the plane, one was fat and had a, 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 a stogie in his mouth, a big cigar, a Hamburg on, on his head. The other was tall and thin and looked like Churchill's bodyguard, Walter Thompson. Well, Leslie Howard, the Scarlet Pimpernel, was cast as the bodyguard, Inspector Walter Thompson, and he was traveling with his accountant, David Chanels, and he was cast as Winston Churchill, and that's why the Germans attacked the plane. They sent seven fighters after it, and it was shot down over the Bay of Biscay. Churchill writes about this incident, and he says it was only the inscrutable workings of fate that condemned Leslie Howard and saved his life. Wow, because there was some speculation that he may have been a spy anyway, no matter what, right? Well, there was some talk after this. I, yeah. I don't think there's much to that. I think the Germans were out to get Churchill, uh, and this made a mistake. And after they blew this opportunity, they thought they would never have another chance. <laughs> and then suddenly fate came together, so they were able to get the three Allied leaders all in one clandestine mission. So tell us a little bit about that mission. It was 50 of the Nazis uh, trying to get in to where they were at, correct? Yes. When the Allies, originally it was 50, when, they, when the Allies, I mean, the Nazis first heard about this, they finally get the word that they're going to Tehran. Uh, and that was, you know, in the, in the Nazis' mind, terrific. They learned this through a spy. It was a, a top-secret conference. So Tehran worked for them because they've had agents in place in that city for, since the start of the war. And they'd also been doing aerial insertion missions uh, in, into the whole country of Iran to try to sabotage Allied agents there. So they send the first plane of 38 uh, commandos in. This plane, its arrival is revealed uh, by a double agent who's working for the Russians, who's working in Berlin. He reveals this and has these parachutes jumping out of the plane. As they come through the clouds, there are the Russians waiting for them, and they shoot them before, most of them, before they hit the ground. Another plane uh, carrying a group gets into the city, but they're tracked down. But at the same time, six people, six well-trained commandos through uh, commando school uh, in Orienburg, uh, outside Sachsenhausen uh, concentration camp. They had special weapons, special bombs. Uh, they were trained by Otto Scorsese, who was uh, a, a famous German commando leader, uh, and they were ready for, for this mission. And they're on the loose in Tehran, a city of one million people, for the four days of the conference. And Mike Riley, FDR's bodyguard, has to work with the Russians to track them down. And the whole Four days of this builds to this event, which there's a photo of this as the front piece in my book, 
of Churchill's 69th birthday party at the British Embassy, and there's Churchill, Stalin, and FDR sitting in a row. There's birthday cake uh, in front of them. It's been carved, and you can almost hear them singing uh, happy birthday. And at that moment, these six commandos are trying to make their way to a water tunnel that connects from outside the compound uh, to the British embassy, and they're going to sneak in there and break through the doors of the dining room and change history unless Mike Riley can stop them. What happened with to, to, to Mike Riley? Can you ex- explain to the folks? I mean, this, this guy was literally the hero of, uh, of, of this, wasn't it? Yes. Mike Riley, two days after Pearl Harbor, he's 31 years old. He's just been working for a couple of months on, on the White House uh, Secret Service detail. He's appointed to be head of the detail at 31. And he's overwhelmed, as anyone would be, because this is a unique situation. This is the first war where the enemy can fly over Washington, D.C., drop paratroopers, uh, drop bombs on the White House. Uh, There's even serious talk uh, with the Joint Chiefs. They want to paint the White House black, so it's hard to see from the air. And the problem of guarding FDR is, is much more complex because FDR is quite literally sitting target. He's paralyzed from the waist down. Oh, sure, and yeah. And Mike Riley has to put his, at times, uh, his, his body in front of him to protect him. Wow, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating story. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, Howard Bloom, our special guest, just a couple more minutes with him here on uh, KFGO. Uh, so you, you, obviously FDR knew about it, that it did happen, right? Uh, at this press conference, we, I mean, he didn't say anything, but we, you know, right out and said, hey, you know, there was an attempt. But he, you knew deep down he knew about it, correct? Yes, he knew, he knew more of the details and that he didn't want to reveal it. What was so interesting to me is that the press went along with keeping this secret. We now, you know, in our present day, we claim about, we make assertions that the press is sometimes too aggressive. Well, back then they were certainly way too complacent. Uh, They let this secret be buried. And it would have remained buried until the Russians came forward, and then there was a trail that one could, could follow to put the pieces together. I always ask because it's fascinating. You mentioned about the photographs that you uh, found for for your book. Uh, there must have been a bunch to go through, right? More than just these eight, correct? How do you how did you how did you pick these out? Well, I, I tried to get photographs that relate to the story I was telling and coincided with the drama as I built it. Uh, you know, you're building up from it. It starts with the the failed attack on Churchill, and then you go to this rescue mission of Mussolini. The Germans, uh, uh, rather, the Italians have hidden Mussolini. They've arrested him. They've pushed him out of office. He's on top of a 7,000-foot mountain in a hotel, which has become his prison, guarded by a battalion of troops. The only way up this mountaintop is a single cable car that's guarded by another battalion of troops, and Hitler tells this SS leader, Otto Scorsese, uh, rescue him. And they can't go up the cable car. They can't get past the troops there. They can't drop paratroopers down because the winds are too strong. So he goes in with gliders. Twelve gliders uh, come in on September 12, 1943, to this mountaintop. Uh, Five of them survive, and the surviving 
commandos led by Scorsese rescue uh, Mussolini. And uh, three days later, he's meeting with Hitler, and Scorsese is given the assignment to now target the big three at Tehran. Wow. Unbelievable. The book, once again, is called Night of the Assassins, the untold story of Hitler's plot to kill FDR, Churchill, and Stalin. It just was released. It's available to bookstores everywhere. If it's not, uh, I'm sure you can order it online. I'm not sure if uh, all the bookstores are open quite yet, but I'm sure there will be as uh, we get uh, through this uh, pandemic. I was supposed to ask you real quick because uh, somebody told me that he uh, that was a big fan of yours, and he said he really enjoyed your book called American Lightning, and I should pick that up. Can you tell the folks what that's all about? Because I may have to get a second book of yours, Howard. Uh, that doesn't sound so bad, and, and thank him for pr- promoting that book. That book uh, was written a, a while back. In, in 1911, the Los Angeles Times is bombed. Twelve people are killed. And Billy Burns of the Burns Detective Agency has to find out who were the killers or the bombers, why they did this. And finally, when they're caught, Clarence Darrow, the famous lawyer, goes in to defend them. They're labor people, and he thinks they're innocent. Halfway through the trial, Darrow realizes that they are, in fact, guilty, and he goes and bribes jurors. And Burns catches him bribing the jurors, and then Darrow goes on trial. And again, this is all true. It's a, it's a story about America's past that resonates to today, labor troubles it and is, bombing and terrorism. It is just amazing what people like you and other authors have been able to find about our history that nobody really knows about. I commend you to the highest point, Howard. I think it's just, I think it's just wonderful, the stuff that you've, uh, you put out there in writing. Congratulations. Well, that's it. That's very kind. I try to look for bits of history that have been overlooked and then see if I can tell them in a dramatic, character-driven way. (laughs) Night of the Assassins, the untold story of Hitler's plot to kill FDR, Churchill, and Stalin. By the way, Howard, do you have a uh, website that people can check out more information about you and your other books? Yes, howardbloombloom.com, and also my Amazon page, uh, so you can find it there. Um, It's pretty... Pretty all, all over the web. I'm all over the web these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, Howard, I have some more reading to do this weekend. We're going to finish that up, and it's a great, it's a great, great book. Congratulations, sir. Thank you very much, and I appreciate your kind words.